Look around, what do you see? Cars, lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, did somebody say solar-powered, eco-friendly, vegan, leather-wrapped, aromatherapy-scented, disco ball-equipped, self-driving car? If you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. Big cars, small cars, blue cars, new cars, used cars, electric cars, and one day, maybe even flying cars. With millions of options to choose from, buying a car becomes a whole lot easier. See it. Find it. Auto Trader. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey everybody, it's Josh and Chuck, your friends, and we are here to tell you about our upcoming book that's coming out this fall, the first ever Stuff You Should Know book, Chuck. That's right. What's the cool, super cool title we came up with? It's Stuff You Should Know, colon, an incomplete compendium of mostly interesting things. That's right. And it's coming along so great. We're super excited, you guys. Mm -hmm. The uh, illustrations are amazing, and just the look of the book, it's all just... It's exactly what we hoped it would be, and we cannot wait for you to get your hands on it. Yes, we can't. Um, and you don't have to wait, actually. Well, you do have to wait, but you don't have to wait to order. Uh, you can go pre-order the book right now, everywhere you get books, and you will eventually get a special gift for pre-ordering, which we're working on right now. That's right. So check it out soon, coming this fall. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant speaking to me today through clenched teeth. Jerry is uh, off um, doing who knows what, but she's here, so this is stuff you should know. God's work. That's probably right. She's ministering to the um, those in need. Yeah, we might as well call this episode uh, a peek into Chuck's private life. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of personal stories about this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. I'm a Bruxer. So, I was just about to say, Chuck, you're a Bruxer, B-R-U-X-E-R, mm-hmm. which is a great word, um, in print at least. And Bruxer, it's all right out loud too, I guess. But um, I really don't think we can start this episode any other way aside from how this How Stuff Works article kicked it off. Okay. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> so, Chuck, when we're trying to figure out what Bruxism is, uh-huh. no, it's not a strange new religion or the latest exercise craze to come out of L.A. It's the complicated medical term for the simple act of grinding your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, L.A., all those wacky exercise trends. I know. Strange new religions <laughs> with X's in the middle of them that make you give them all your money. Yeah, bruxism, uh, teeth grinding. I'm a tooth grinder. So you've had, like, serious dental work from that, right? Correct. And uh, did you grind, because we should probably tell everybody, there's really two big categories of grinding teeth. 
One is daytime grinding and the other is nighttime grinding. And nighttime grinding is way more intense. So were you a nighttime grinder? I am currently both. Oh, you still are? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then um, do you, when you're a nighttime grinder (laughs) doing your grinding thing, Uh do you wake Emily up? Uh, No, she sleeps uh, pretty soundly. Okay. Because from what I understand, it's it's not hard to actually wake the person sleeping in bed with you up from grinding your teeth that loudly. Like that's how that's how loud it gets from how much pressure you're exerting on your poor teeth. That's what I've heard. Uh, I've never recorded myself. I've thought about doing that. Yeah, you know they have those apps. I think that are will trigger by sound or whatever to record. Sure, Bruxy. <laughs> yeah, I've got. I need to get Bruxy going. Right. <laughs> uh, but I am one of uh, possibly fifteen percent of Americans that are Bruxers. They say fifteen. That's, roughly fifteen. That's, that's a lot of people. That was a surprising amount to me. Yeah. I did not think it was going to be that high. Yeah, and I don't really know if it's. Uh, I only know my experience, and you know, I, when I was reading through this, it was just <clears throat> triggering me all over the place because. From grinding to gnashing to clinching to TMJ and TMP, like I've got it all. <laughs> Do you really have TMD? Because that sounds really bad. Yeah, it's just I'm a mess. Yeah, have you ever heard of getting Botox for TMD? No. It's so you know Botox. It's from botulin, sure, right? and it it um, paralyzes the nerves temporarily, but for a really long time, like months. Um, you get it in your jaw. Uh, and it relaxes the jaw muscles, actually. Interesting. I wonder yeah. if while they're in there, I can uh, get this cocoon under my eyeball taken away. <laughs> you, you you have a cocoon under there? Yeah, it looks like a butterfly is about to sprout from this <laughs> sleeping bag under my eye. <laughs> I think it adds a lot of character. I don't think you should change anything like that. No, no, no. I'm not worried about any cosmetic things. Good, good. You're looking good, man. Thank you. I can't even see you, and I know you're looking good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll. I'll chat about my experience throughout this, but I do have. I had been fitted for a uh, a mouth guard, which I do not wear, and I should. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's there's a, it's supposed to be kind of helpful, but I also saw that it can actually make you brux. I guess that'd be the verb, right? It makes you brux more sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think the deal with the mouth guard is is it just provides a barrier between mm-hmm. your teeth. So mm-hmm. it doesn't stop you from grinding um, or clenching or anything like that, but it's no, there's no tooth-on-tooth, uh, tooth con- the sexiest contact, which right. is tooth-on-tooth. Tooth. <laughs> right. It's almost like um, giving condoms to teenagers. It's been demonstrably, irrefutably proven that it makes them have sex when they otherwise wouldn't. It's the same thing with a mouth guard. You probably wouldn't even grind your teeth, but you put a mouth guard on and you're going to grind. You know, we get an alarming amount of emails from people who don't understand your, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's not sarcasm. Humor? Sure. We can just throw it under the humor label. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, when you say something and you're totally kidding, but you're just being deadpan about it, people buy buy that. Yeah. They catch on eventually, I think. No, or they don't. They think yeah. you're a monster. So let's, uh, let's get into this, okay? Because I didn't know much about teeth grinding. I do grind teeth, but I, not to a clinical degree. Um, so I didn't know quite a lot of this. But I, I came across this um, article that was written by a NYU dental student 
named Jordan Moshkovich. No, yeah, Moshkovich. I think I nailed it out that of the park. Sounds like a dental uh, student from NYU if I've ever heard one. I just came across this paper. I don't, I don't, I don't remember what, how I searched it. But um, anyway, it, it had some really interesting stuff in there. And the the way that um, possibly by now Dr. Moshkovich put it, um, that as we understand bruxism, it occurs. It's cyclical. So it starts out and it follows a, a distinct pattern, and then it kind of crests. It intensifies, and then it, it wanes, it goes away, and then the cycle eventually starts up again. And so that these these cycles can happen in clusters. So your actual, like, attack of bruxism might mm-hmm. only last somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of, like, 4 to 15 seconds. I think that's on the low end. But when you have a bunch of them, of these different attacks, these cyclical attacks in a cluster, mm-hmm. it can add up to quite a bit. Uh, over the course of your your uh, sleepy time, yeah. I mean, if you're grinding for 15 seconds and then taking off six or eight seconds and then grinding again, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what the distinction is. You just take a little little break, a little break. <laughs> yeah, your brain's like, this is too much even for me. Because um, to me, that's constantly grinding. Right. So no, apparently the, it does it. It like there's an increase in it, and then it like gets really really bad, and then it stops, and then it starts to slowly. To, to build again, I think what makes it cyclical and building is that it's also associated with an increase in heart rate and brain waves. Mm-hmm. Um, in your, so you're grinding your teeth, your heart is going faster, and your, um, your brain is working overtime. And then I guess it all just kind of crests and goes away for a little while. Yeah, and I don't think we said the, um, I mean, we'll talk about all the reasons this can be pretty bad, but you're exerting a lot of force. Yeah. Uh, up to 200 pounds of pressure per square inch. And that is not like even when you're chewing something super tough or like saltwater taffy or something. It's like <laughs> 10 times the force that you use to chew food. Dude, saltwater taffy is so great. You're a big fan. I really am a big fan. And it's one of those things where as I've gotten older, I've realized that some of this like old time candy, like mm-hmm. nougat, just plain old nougat. Oh, nougat's great. Like, it was perfected. Like, we perfected candy in a lot of ways a long time ago, and you overlook it now just because it's been around for so long in favor of, like, you know, a whatchamacallit or some kind of go-go candy bar of today. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But there, And there's nothing wrong with whatchamacallits. It's probably my favorite modern candy bar. But saltwater taffy, nougat, stuff like that, it's, it's, it really, it's been around for this long for a reason, I guess. Yeah, you love the candies that you can get for a nickel. Mm-hmm. By reaching your hand into it, well, you can't do that kind of thing anymore, but by reaching your hand into a big germ bucket right, full of uh, discarded candies from children. Sure, but but they're individually wrapped, so I'm safe. You know, when Little Bit Sweets used to love us, they used to send us that nougat. That was I good. know. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, they're the people who introduced me to nougat. Straight up nougat? Yeah, it was one of those care packages of theirs. Yeah. They, they, they introduced us to... Nougat and honeycomb candy. Yeah. Why don't they like us anymore? I don't know. I'm going to have to get in touch with uh, Liz and be like, what's up? Yeah, hint, hint. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll still plug them, though. Yeah, well, we just did. Yeah. So you were saying 200 pounds of pressure. I saw, and that's per square inch, um, I saw up to 250 pounds of pressure per, per square inch. That's about 10 to 40 times what you would exert normally when you're chewing. And as you can imagine, like, your poor teeth can only take so much. Yeah. And and it's not just the pressure, it's the pressure combined with the grinding 
motion, right, that can really wear down the old enamel. I saw something like 10 times faster than somebody who doesn't grind their teeth while they sleep. Yeah, so, I mean, that introduces uh, yet another problem. So not only will it make your teeth, you know, wigglier and uh, and just they could crack, they can fracture. Yeah. Uh, you can wear them down to stumps. You get rid of that enamel, like you said, and then you're, you know, just ready to get a cavity. Plus, your nerves can be exposed. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. Have you ever gotten a root canal? Uh, shockingly, no. I have three fake teeth, but I've never had a root canal. They are not fun. Yeah, it, I, I still don't even quite know what it is, to be honest. I got So they go in and they actually remove the nerve at the, at the base of the tooth. Like it's just they Ugh. take the nerve out so you don't have any sensation right there anymore, which is good because by the time you need a root canal, you don't want to ever feel anything ever of any kind. And I got one once by this guy over in Brookhaven, and he apparently is a master at root canals because every dentist I've been to since then, this was years ago, mm-hmm. has commented on, like, what an amazing root really? canal that guy did. <laughs> yeah. So you can tell dentist. years later? I guess so, yeah, because I still get comments on it whenever I go to a new dentist and they take x-rays. They're like, wow, that is a really great root canal. It's not like the, uh, the guy in the grocery store parking lot that fixes your dent while you shop? <laughs> no, really. He doesn't do that good of a job. Uh, I think the words root canal, just the combination of those two words, is probably a, a top tenner for uh, just most loathed combinations mm-hmm. of words. That moist? Well, that's just one word. Oh, oh, combination of words. Um, moist anything? Yeah. <laughs> moist underline. Moist thighs. How about that? <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, They did a little survey uh, with the Chicago Dental Society, which is a real swinging club, and they found 65% of those dentists said that they are hearing about jaw clenching being sort of an increasing thing. I don't know when this was written, Mm -hmm. but um, apparently it's bruxism is on the rise, as is stress. Right. That's what they're saying, that they correlate it to stress in adults. And they think that it's basically as simple as that. There's a lot of other things that can cause bruxism, as we'll see. But stress seems to be the number one driver of teeth grinding in grown-ups. And as stress increases in our modern whatchamacallit type world, um, bruxism is increasing as well. Which is sad, but at the same time, it's also like, okay, well, then there's real hope for this. It's not like you have some biological short circuit in your brain that you'd have to go get, like, neurosurgery right. to cure, to correct or cure. Yeah, you you're just, just riddled with anxiety. Out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I don't think we've officially pointed out, or maybe you did, that grinding is that back-and-forth motion and clenching mm-hmm. is just sort of just locking your teeth together and, you know, as if you're biting on a— uh, irresistible saltwater taffy. <laughs> <laughs> so with clenching, too, that seems to be more associated with daytime bruxism than nighttime bruxism. True. And the other thing about daytime bruxism, so bruxism is con- considered a parafunctional habit is what it's called, like um, chewing on pen caps or biting your fingernails or something like that. It's like yeah, a, it doesn't me. serve a good purpose for, like you're you're not breathing or eating uh, or drinking so you're doing other stuff with your mouth that makes it a parafunctional habit. But the thing about it is during the daytime, it's unconscious whether you're you're doing nighttime bruxism or daytime bruxism. But in the day, you can stop and be like, oh, I'm clenching my teeth and stop yourself from doing it. Yeah, So it's ideally. involuntary, but it's also unconscious. When you're asleep, 
you're probably not going to wake yourself up, so you're going full bore. Yeah, and, you know, I try and catch myself uh, during the day when I clench, and I find it happens a lot. What I've started doing, I don't know if it was a conscious effort or not, Mm -hmm. but I've started widening my tongue between my teeth kind of, not at all times, but a lot of the time. Yeah. If my mouth is shut, I have my my tongue in between my teeth. To, I got gotcha. you. To prevent that. Like in the front or on the side? Kind of all over, man. Oh, uh, so you're just kind of constantly moving it? No, I just, you know, fatten that tongue out and it, <laughs> it, oh, wow. it fits. Uh, <laughs> are you doing it? <laughs> That's quite a talent. No, I can't do it. I'm impressed. Really? With your tongue? Look. Oh, yeah, I guess I can. <laughs> I can. And I should point out, too, that, you know, the history of my fake teeth are well chronicled on the show, Mm -hmm. and I've talked about why, but it's not just from grinding. Like, I've always bitten my fingernails, Mm -hmm. and that pressure forward, you know, on the front of your teeth is no good. And I've got shallow roots and sort of a a host of things that kind of led to those those teeth not uh, working out for me. (laughs) Let let me ask you this. Um, Were either of your parents Bruxers? I don't know, and and— I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't care to ask at this point. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to bring it up. Like, I don't who cares? I mean, maybe I could, but it's not like that would satisfy me in any way. Well, the thing is, is they think that it's an inherited trait because yeah. apparently your chances of bruxing are way higher if your parents are bruxers. But, like, do I need one more thing to blame on my parents? <laughs> right, exactly. At, at 49 years old? <laughs> That's right. So just just chalk it up to the fact that you're a young woman who smokes. Right. That's where you got it from. Because women are three times more likely to brux, and smokers are five times more likely to brux. Right. Smokers, people who uh, drink heavily, um, and a lot of that they they, uh, attribute to um, dehydration. Yeah. And here's the thing. This one is what reveals the weirdness of all this to me. So your body becomes dehydrated um, for whatever reason. And when you're dehydrated, a, a whole cascade of stressors just kind of take place in your body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it can trigger allergies. It can trigger inflammation. It's just not a good jam for your body to be dehydrated. The thing is, is what your body does in response is make you grind your teeth. Like they've shown, like you grind your teeth more when you're dehydrated. But like I was saying, that raises the the big basic question that I've never seen anybody answer. Um, like, why? What, why would you grind your teeth? What kind of a weird physiological response is that to things like stress, whether emotional stress or physical stress? It's a very bizarre yeah. thing for your body to be like, oh, cue the, cue the teeth grinding. Let's get rid of some of the stress. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you could file all of the things I'm about to say under that same weird category of why, but the same reason you might tap your foot when you're nervous or the mm-hmm. same reason you might clench your fist if you have anxiety. Um, I think they're just your body's responses to anxiety. They come out in these little weird physical ticks. Yeah. I mean, and that, that makes sense. But to me, there's still like you can still keep walking it back to, you know, why teeth grinding? <laughs> why, why clenched fists? Like, what do we get from it? The, the closest I've seen to an explanation is it's a stress reliever. Right. And I get that. But again, like, maybe my question is where along the way in our evolutionary history uh-huh. did teeth grinding become the response rather than, like, you know, blinking um, in, in an alternating sequence really fast? You know, like, why teeth grinding? Because ultimately, 
grinding your teeth produces more tension and more stress concentrated in your jaw. It doesn't get rid of it. It just basically concentrates it into one painful area. Yeah, I mean, one might say that one reason is because it's a silent form of releasing that anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's something you can do in a business meeting. It's something you can do in church or wherever you might feel really stressed out. Sure. You can't do primal scream therapy in the middle of a tense meeting. Um, but I know what you mean. You're a man of science. You want to know the pathways of satisfaction that are that are happening there, I think. Yes, because that is the pathway to my satisfaction, understanding. <laughs> Should we take a break? <laughs> Yes. All right. I'm going to go grind for 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. How you feel now? Whew, that was great. So it was a stress reliever for you then. <laughs> I'm not stressed right now. Well, that's except good. for everything in my life that's super stressful, always. <laughs> right. Yeah. We got a lot going on. A lot going on. We have a book that we're working on. Yeah, that's has at times been stressful. It has, but it also has been fun. Like, I'm really proud of how it's coming together. No, it's great. It's fun. But it's uh, it's like, hey, you're all uh, working from home now with a five-year-old, so you have half as much time and twice as much work. <laughs> right. Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> this will be a fun process. Yeah. Uh, but, no, we're coming up uh, on the – the finish line is in sight. Yeah, for sure. And it's been more fun lately for me, which is good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. And what, what's that book me. called? Oh, oh. Are we plugging it? We might as well. Um, It's called Stuff You Should Know, colon. You always make me say that part, too. Mm -hmm. An Incomplete Compendium of Mostly Interesting Things. That's right. And you can pre-order now, and you get a little pre-order gift. Mm -hmm. And if you have questions about whether or not you get a pre-order gift with the audio book or where you can get a signed edition, we're trying to get answers to that stuff. We're new at this. Yeah, we're brand new. Yeah. We're green. 
We're green authors. Yes. Um, okay, so we were talking about some of the, the things that cause bruxism that they've definitely shown. And again, no one has ever explained why bruxism, just how bruxism, I guess. Yeah, like any kind of sleep disturbance can do it. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, we already talked about anxiety and stress. That's sort mm-hmm. of, that seems to be the go-to uh, yeah. for doctors. But any kind of sleep disturbance, if you are on some weird bed in a hotel that is uncomfortable to you, that might cause you to to clench up during your sleep. Weird things like that. Yeah, um, if your bite doesn't form um, symmetrically, I guess is the word. That's me too. You you <laughs> actually, so that's called malocclusion. Yeah. And there's all sorts of stuff. I didn't realize this, but there's all sorts of stuff to correct it, including shortening your jaw, which I'm like, okay, we don't have hover cars, but we have surgery that can shorten somebody's jaw. I'm impressed, right? Um, did you get that done? No. I considered having surgery at one point where they break your jaw and realign it and mm-hmm. then wire it shut. Okay. Um, but there was never a great time to do it because I have a job where I run my mouth for a living. Right. Uh, and it just, I don't know, it got to the point where I got to a certain age where I was like, you know what, I just don't think I want that surgery. I'll live with my misaligned jaw and my yeah. TMJ and my TMD. Man, I hope you get the last part worked out. Thanks. <laughs> so um, maybe it'll just magically clear up when we're not podcasting any longer. Well, you never know. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I remember you talking about getting a surgery, and that kind of jogged my memory. I didn't, I didn't know you ever got it, but yeah, you probably couldn't wire your jaw shut. I was you'd just clenching like, just then. You'd say, "You go, should we talk work?" <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of weird. Now people don't want to hear that <laughs> for like six to eight weeks or whatever it is. <laughs> right, man. The soup, though. Yeah, it probably dropped some good weight. Drink it, it to a straw. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's some good soup out there. You can also um, grind up a cheeseburger. Yeah, you could, into soup. <laughs> God. Uh, so the, I saw another thing, thanks to presumably Dr. Um, Moshkovich's article, <laughs> that they have connected teeth grinding to parasitic worm infections. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, that I, that doesn't sound right at all. And I went and looked, and yeah, there's there's a definite, like, um, uh, met, like a, a bunch of papers dating back to the 70s where they're like, yeah, seems like if you have pinworms or hookworms, they directly cause teeth grinding. How weird. I know that uh, certain psychiatric medicines can and antidepressants and stuff could cause it. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's one of the side effects sometimes. Uh, could be comorbid with sleep apnea, Yeah, which I've had people write in and say, hey, Chuck, check about sleep apnea because you have dreams about breathing water. Uh, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, no, I don't think I have sleep apnea, though. Um, and maybe I'll get tested for that one day, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing, though, about parasitic worms is it actually correlates to something else that's mentioned in this article, which is allergies can kick it off. And remember, they think that parasitic worms has to do with either an increase in allergies or a decrease in allergies or something, but they think that it's tied with allergies. So that would explain why it kicks off teeth grinding. Yeah, and I don't think we've said that. You may not even realize that you're a Bruxer. Um, right. I do because of my my history, but um, I think a lot of people don't even realize they're gnashing their teeth in their night. You may wake up with a sore jaw and 
wonder what was going on, think you might have slept on your face funny or something. Right. Uh, but a dentist can help diagnose that for sure if you go in and say, hey, uh, something's going on here. Doc, yeah, yeah. Dr. Right. Moshkovitz. Yeah, if you live alone or you're not grinding your teeth enough to um, wake up your partner, uh, yeah, there's there's going to be like little signs or whatever, but if you don't start paying attention to it, you might not notice it unless it's a bad case. If it's a bad case, you're going to notice because your teeth are starting to crack and chip and wear down. And even if you don't notice it, your dentist is going to be like, I think you grind your teeth, and that might be the first person to tip you off. Yeah, swollen gums, that could also be a little tip. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, mine sort of happened all at once with the the jaw. Like I've always had a bad bite, mm-hmm. uh, and two rounds of braces did not cure it. Oh man! So I've got sort of a it's not quite an underbite, but you know my my top my bottom teeth and my top teeth are aligned instead of having an overbite. Right. And I remember distinctly when I started having these problems, like ten or twelve years ago, and. I would tell Emily, I said, it feels like my lower jaw is from someone else's body all of a sudden. Huh. Like it just doesn't fit anymore. And that's the easiest way I could describe it. And it just kind of happened like suddenly or you noticed it like in a short time? Started noticing it over a shortish span 10 or 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was singing in the band for band night one time mm-hmm. and I had my mouth open singing like, you know, if I might say so, pretty powerfully. <laughs> oh, nice. And something popped, like I felt something almost like come unhinged and it got worse after that. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that was all about. Was that during your famous cover of Ave Maria? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Or Oh Holy Night. Uh, we interchanged those for our closer. Nice. Yeah. So um, another sign that you might have bruxism is if you wake up and you, like the inside of your cheeks hurt mm-hmm. because they're, they've been rubbed raw from the getting caught up in the bruxing. Yeah, if you're a side um, sleeper, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's when it'll be particularly bad. You might also wake up with um, bite marks from it. You know, not like you can see it, but you can definitely feel those. I went through a little period where I was biting like where my canines are. You know, I have like vampire canines. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was almost like what you were just describing. Like all of a sudden my my bite or my jaw or something just changed. And for like a month or two, I was biting this one part of my lip in the lower right corner. And um, it was happening a lot. And then finally it went away. No idea what happened, but... I'm just glad it it cleared up. Yeah, I'm a side sleeper, uh, sort of side slash chest sleeper. Mm -hmm. And I will tuck a pillow up under my arm and and face as well as the one I'm laying on with my Uh head. Uh And I think that has contributed to sort of misaligning my jaw. And I looked online and sure enough, there are TMJ pillows, I think, to help thwart that. Have you seen, like, some of, like, the, uh, I think Casper makes one. There's one by Avocado. Um, they're they're basically, like, anti-snoring pillows. Mm, I don't know. It, it lifts your head up so that your head's not going downward, which helps you, um, helps, it, like, keeps your, your airway from being obstructed and hence snoring less. I, I can, it actually works really well. I'm, I'm a bit of a snorer. And uh, they, they've cured it. Don't largely. I know it. <laughs> I know you do. We're like the three stooges. Uh, and on since we're on the pillow front, too, the other thing that I do is I sleep with my arm kind of under my head, you know, and under my pillow. Mm-hmm. 
Like I don't, I never know what to do with my arms as a side yeah. sleeper, and that is, you know, sometimes I wake up and my arm will be numb from just being in a weird position. Yeah. But they have these pillows now that that lift you up a little bit and have a little a little hatch there where your arm fits through. What? I haven't gotten one of those yet, but I'm looking into it. Wow. It's amazing the sleep product industry, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about mattresses, is just ridiculously uh, dense. Sure. You know? Dense like memory foam. <laughs> yeah, I love a good memory foam. So t- so talking about, you're talking about TMJ and TMD. Mm-hmm. From what I saw, TMJ is the name of the joint, and TMD is the name of the disorder of the stuff hanging around that joint. Is that correct? Well, I've always heard it called a TMJ disorder. They may have just shortened that to TMD. Okay. Yeah, I've always heard TMJ too. I've, I've, I haven't even heard it called TMJ disorder, just TMJ. But from what I can tell is everybody's been getting it wrong all these years that TMJ is the joint, not the disorder. Yeah, like if you say, I have TMJ, they're like, yeah, everyone's got a temporomandibular joint, jerk. Right, big whoop. <laughs> but yeah, TMJ disorder, I think it's just become one of those things that's shorthand. But yeah, yeah I think TMD is inflammation of, of that joint. Uh, and, you know, that, that can affect kind of your whole face. It can spread around to the other muscle and tissue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, pain, swelling. We talk about swelling a lot, inflammation, swelling. That's sort of the key to good health is keeping that down. That seems to be like what science is starting to figure out for it's sure. It's all about inflammation, isn't it? It seems like it. It seems like it. Um, uh, there's also clicking and popping that comes along with it, too, which is not mm-hmm. fun either. Not necessarily because it hurts. It's just distressing psychologically. Like, you get worried, like, oh, man, is this next time going to – is my jaw just going to stay open? Yeah. Because isn't lockjaw like a, a a potential outcome of TMD? I don't know. I, I don't know anything about lockjaw. Is that – Maybe it's like a flea circus. It's just one of those things that was made up, but everybody started to think it was. I thought lockjaw came around because uh, uh, tetanus or whatever. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's like an infection. I forgot about that. And I think it's just, it's not your jaw locking up. It's just a weird name for it. Oh, I thought like your jaw like stayed open. Well, I think it can cause it can cause muscle contractions in your jaw. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is where the name comes from. But I think it's from like, and I'm speaking out of my butt right now. Okay. But I think it's from like a bacterial infection, and this is why you get tetanus shots. Yes, but that's weird that it would focus on your jaw muscles. You know. Hey, man, human it's pretty body. Pretty specific. It's a I mystery. It's, it is a mystery. Um, you want to take a second break and then come back and talk about kids and getting rid of this stuff too? Yes. Okay. Everyone, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. 
This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Okay, so everybody knows adults are super angry, not to be looked squarely in the eye, Mm -hmm. easily set off, that kind of stuff, and that that explains teeth grinding in adults mostly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that and MDMA. With kids, <laughs> it's a totally different story depending on the age. And actually, kids tend to grind their teeth um, almost as a matter of course. They found that 50% of babies grind their teeth, but they do it typically when they're teething, which yeah. makes a lot more sense. Although grinding like your gums as the teeth are just breaking through is... Ugh. Is that? Like, it's like nails down a chalkboard to me. Like, just that really? same sensation. Really? thinking about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, moist. I mean, I got to say, there is something very creepy about a uh, baby locking down on your pinky before the teeth are in. Mm-hmm. But those teeth are right behind that, that gum skin. Right. It's very weird. Yeah, it's very creepy. Yeah. It's nothing cute about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a baby, you might also grind your teeth because your top and bottoms aren't aligned as of yet. Uh, or like allergies, like you were talking about, if they're congested, um, the same with adults. It could be a, a sign of allergies or something. Yeah. Again, allergies produce inflammation, which produces teeth grinding, which is the key to the existence of life in the universe, I think. If you're a little older and you're not like a toddler, mm-hmm. then it may be stress. It may be um, just that kid anxiety, which is super sad. Yeah, you might you might have like a trouble at school, or um, if your family just moved or something like that, it might produce teeth grinding. It might also make you eat entire ten packs of Twix in one <laughs> sitting after school. Um, one of the two outcomes. Yeah, <laughs> not speaking from experience or anything. No, I'm just speaking in generalities. <laughs> Uh, by the time, I, I think they say not to worry about it too much if your kid is grinding their teeth before they're seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, after Between seven and eight and, and 12 is usually when it'll go away uh, once they get those big, weird-looking adult teeth that are still <laughs> yeah. in that kid's head. <laughs> yeah, and a 
big old attitude to accompany it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, but if your kid is like over seven or eight years old and they're still grinding their teeth, you might want to go see a dentist. And they might say, go see a therapist. Yeah, why not? Frank. I mean, who, or whatever their name might be. <laughs> That's right. Frank the chair therapist. Sure. So um, the because it's so prevalent and because it clears up on its own, you, you're not going to treat your kid's um, bruxism like you were saying. If it is pretty bad, though, your doctor might be like, let's get a mouth guard, and the mouth guard might help. Probably will help. It won't keep them from doing it. But um, one of the other things that I saw, like if your baby does grind his or her teeth, um, one of the problems it can have, which is probably why you would want to treat it, is that it can keep them awake at night, which makes them cranky during the day. Right. So I could see wanting to treat teeth grinding, especially if it starts to become even remotely an issue. <laughs> Although you're not, you don't have to. <laughs> I could see treating it if it starts affecting my quality of daytime life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But this article is so adorable. Um, it says, you know, there's some things you can do if your your young your young child is grinding his or her teeth. You can draw him a warm bath before bed or read him a story. That is just like that's the most heartwarming treatment for any condition I've ever heard. Yeah, try reading a story to your kid before bed. That's novel. <laughs> right. Don't try to read them a novel, though. Uh, let me see. I think they also recommend, um, if you're an adult, something topical, like an analgesic, like Tiger Balm. Yeah. Uh, below the ears, like sort of right there outside the jaw. Um, I don't know about that. I, I could give that a try, but I don't know if that'll keep me from grinding. It might just you, provide some relief. Have you tried warm baths for yourself before bed? Uh, Get no. those thighs moist? <laughs> uh, it says here to keep the your tongue in the roof of your mouth. Uh-huh. So um, that's sort of a version of what I'm doing, but I don't yeah. see how the roof of your mouth helps so much. I think it, it cuts down on, um, like, the chance you might bite your tongue, but it's also keeping your mind focused on what your mouth is doing at any given time. Gotcha. That's what I would guess. Um, and, of course, like, there's a lot that you could do as far as, like, just relaxing is concerned. Like, sure. meditation helps with absolutely everything. Um, not drinking as much, cutting down on caffeine, not smoking, all those things are linked to it. Um, n- not chewing gum. So, basically, you know how I think I've said recently where if you have, like, a sleep disorder, that you, like, your bed, who was I telling this to? Do you remember? Mm-mm. I don't remember either, but um, that your bed should be just for sleeping. Like, oh, you go sure. to bed to sleep. Like, no TV, no reading, no nothing. And then, you know, over the course of time, you'll train yourself to associate bed with sleep, and you'll just be able to sleep better. Um, the same thing goes with these other um, para-functional uh, habits, mm-hmm. like chewing on pen caps, chewing gum, chewing your fingernails. Like, you have to make sure you're not doing those because your mouth is just for eating and drinking and talking and breathing, and that's it, not for chewing or, or, any, or grinding your teeth. And you can kind of train yourself. And that really kind of gets to the heart of this whole thing, that it's a an unconscious habit that your that your body has said, this is what we're going with for stress relief. So you're clearly stressed out, but you've developed a habit and you need to break the habit. And there's some other techniques that seem to work fairly well that are 
aimed at breaking this habit of grinding your teeth? Yeah, I mean, I I chewed. Uh, I've always bitten my nails, and I used to massacre pens and pencils in mm-hmm. school when I was like elementary school and high school. Yeah, I don't do that anymore because I literally stop myself from doing it because I know how yep. bad that is for my teeth. But um, you know, that's when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't have the you know the smoothest childhood and and home life. So maybe that was that stuff coming out. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't stressed about, like, work and adult relationships and stuff. I guess, you know, maybe I always just had anxiety and never dealt with in a in a healthy way. I tend to think puberty is a pretty stressful event, too. So sure. going through that will make you go through a few pen caps, you know? Yeah. What's happening down there, Doc? <laughs> Stressing me out. <laughs> My thighs are all moist. <laughs> oh, no. So grind care, um, this thing I thought was amazing. I looked it up, and I'm like, here you go. This is what cures teeth grinding. Yeah, I went to buy one today, but I don't live in Germany, Denmark, or Sweden. That's the only place you can get them still? That's what it said on the website. Huh. So grind care is a it's a headband. They describe it as a headband, but really it's these little modules that you put on either side of your temple, basically. And it's a monitor that sensors whether you are about to clench your jaw or not, or grind your teeth, and it shoots out a little pulse of electricity and says, no, I don't think so, and it relaxes your jaw. I mean, it, as soon as I saw this, I was like, that's it. That's the answer. Man, well, hey, like listeners in Denmark, Germany, or send, where? Send me one of these things. Sweden. Yeah, hook chuck up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing that it's not available outside those three countries. Uh, it really is, because it sounds like it works. They say that it reduces grinding by 50% in the first three weeks, mm-hmm. 80% between weeks six and eight. Yeah, I mean, I was sold. Maybe I can get my hands on one through the, Maybe. the dark web. <laughs> we found out, so we had this this portrait made of Momo, and uh, the artist was featured in Harper's Bazaar, uh, Netherlands, and she had the portrait of Momo in the magazine. Oh, that's fun. So, yeah, but try to get your hands on a Harper's Bazaar Netherlands edition. You can't do it. I bet you could get one. Yumi was like, you know what? I'll bet the Stuff You Should Know Army could help. So she went on to the SYSK Facebook Army page and was like, just asked for help and got a bunch of people who oh, offered, which is super it. nice. I am happy to report I believe we're getting a few copies. That is fantastic. One. Yeah. It, it was either that or flying to the Netherlands <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Well, in any other time, that might be a fun little adventure. It could be. Dr- but it was cool because <laughs> everybody was just so happy to help, too, you know? Yeah. We have the best listeners on the planet. I drove to uh, Vegas one time with my friend, uh, you know, Johnny Pendell, yeah. to get a T-shirt and the, drove back. <laughs> wow. What was the T-shirt? If I remember correctly, Johnny wanted a— uh, I Heart New York. No, I think it was a, was it a Krispy Kreme Vegas or some sort of larger brand with the Vegas specificity? Mm -hmm. Hard Rock Cafe Los I don't think it was. (laughs) (laughs) And this was, you know, pre, like you could buy anything on the internet at all times. Right. So he's like, hey, you want to drive to Vegas? I want to get this shirt. And I was like, sure, let's do it. Wow. How long did it take you? I mean, it's from LA. It's not far. Oh, oh, I was thinking from Atlanta. Oh. Good Lord, no. It's like, wow, it was, must have been one hell of a shirt. <laughs> Even from L.A., that's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a common route. Did you guys engage in a huge drug collection spree first? Oh, sure. 
And start seeing bats. And then blew it all on uh, amyl nitrate and blackjack. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, there was one other thing we should mention, though. Uh, there is a um, apparently something you can put in your mouth that's mm-hmm. got a nasty-tasting liquid. I guess it's like a gel pack or something Yeah. that you put between your teeth. And when you bite into it when you're asleep, that thing is punctured and that you get that nastiness in your mouth. But right. I don't know that that would work on me because I used to paint my fingernails with deterrent when mm-hmm. I was in elementary school. My mom What did would. it taste like? It was uh, just super bitter, like the most bitter thing you could ever imagine. And I just Gross, chewed right dude. through it. That's grody. Didn't stop me. This was um so from from what I could tell it was just a patent somebody has. Oh okay. It looks like a de- um a retainer but then in the back where the molars are there's packets and they suggested seawater or hot sauce. And I was like, "Geez, that seems like it would wake you up." Apparently that's the point. Like I guess you just annoy yourself into not grinding your teeth any longer cuz you just want to get some sleep. Hmm. So what do you think Chuck did this cure you? Nah. What's it going to take? I don't know. I'm not having that surgery, and I don't like wearing the mouth guard. I've worn, I wear the mouth guard sometimes when I know uh, that I'm know for sure I'm going through a particularly stressful period. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's not comfortable, you know. No one wants to wear I those things. Imagine not. Yeah. Well, if you are listening to us in Germany, Denmark, or Sweden, hit Chuck up so he can get a grind care from you. That's right. Uh, and in the meantime, if you want to know more about teeth grinding, go check out the article written by Jordan Moshkovich called, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, just look up Jordan Moshkovich. I don't think there's more than one of them running around. Um, uh, and there's other stuff all over the internet too. Uh, and since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, by the way, I bet you there are at least 10 dentists in New York City named Dr. Jordan Moscovich. You think so? Sure. Okay. Just sounds like a dental name. It does. You know, my first dentist name was Dr. Tuggle. Uh, that is a really great name in general. Yeah. Dr. Tuggle, that's the, a great name for like a, a cat too. Yeah. Dr. Tuggle. Dr. Tuggle. <laughs> One time I was in the airport uh, this is when we had our dog Buckley, and we called him Buckles mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, I was in the airport, and Delta was paging someone at the the little uh, where you check in there, and they said, uh, "Paging Mr. Buckles, uh, Mr. Buckles, can you come to the desk?" <laughs> That's amazing. It just killed me. I immediately called Emily. I was like, "They're paging Mr. Buckles." <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to call this uh, something that we got wrong. Sort of, you got wrong. On the what? the heroin podcast, and we heard from enough people about this that I thought it bore an email okay. or a read. Uh, hey, guys, as a former opiate addict, now almost 10 years clean, with lots nice. of education and experience in this area, I'd like to gently suggest that a correction be noted on your recent very good episode on heroin. In discussing the withdrawal detox period, Josh stated that if an addict were to get through that miserable week of suffering, then he or she would be essentially over the addiction. Uh, While it's true the acute phase of heroin withdrawal lasts about a week, addiction is a disorder far more complex and insidious and long-term than physical dependency, which is only one aspect that a week's worth of detox can cure. Uh, A secondary kind of withdrawal can occur known as post-acute withdrawal syndrome, pause, in which the brain has to sort of recalibrate and heal from protracted dopamine imbalances. 
pause can trigger episodes of anxiety and profound depression, which can even lead a recovering addict right back into active addiction. Moreover, addiction rarely happens in a vacuum. Uh, most addicts need long-term support, therapy, and coaching. You weren't suggesting that's not the case, by the way. Right. Uh, to redevelop or develop coping skills that will enable him or her to live a drug-free life. Uh, but recovery from addiction is absolutely achievable. It's not short or as simple as a few days of nausea, aches, and diarrhea. Thanks for all you do. That is from Jason in San Antonio. Nice. Thanks a lot, Jason. Um, absolutely, Chuck. Thank you for bailing me out on that. That's not what I meant, but I definitely should have been a lot clearer than I was. Well, we should have talked about pause because that's a big deal. We heard from a bunch of people talking about pause. But boy, we heard from a lot of people that were current and former addicts. It was um, more so than our other drug podcasts. It was really yeah. pretty uh, enlightening and heartening and disheartening all at once. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of got across like just how widespread the, the opioid crisis is, you know? For sure. Well, thanks to everybody who wrote in uh, and hang in there to everybody who's still struggling with addiction of any kind. Um, and thanks a lot, Jason, from Santa Fe or San Antonio? San Antonio. Um, if you want to get in touch with us like Jason did, you can send us an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. With a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools, it's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees, and the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System keeps cooking supplies handy. You can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. So get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. 